what a Savior. How marvelous. How wonderful. Take your Bible and go to Romans, 8th chapter, as we begin there today. And we will mine in this 8th chapter today, the following week, and the following as we finish up the month of November here in this 8th chapter. It has often been said, it's not certainly original with me, but uh, many have said uh, regarding the Bible, if the Bible uh, was a ring, then Romans is the diamond on the ring, and chapter 8 is the sparkle in the diamond. So uh, we come to this high watermark of the Word of God when we come to Romans chapter 8. And we look at a message I entitled in these first 17 verses, Essential Steps in Walking According to the Spirit. So you find your Bible, and if you are physically able this morning, I'm going to ask you to rise. And as you stand, I will read the Word of God. You can find it in your copy or on the screen as you will see it come across there. And we will read God's Word. You follow along as I read because this now is the Word of our great and glorious God. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. God did. Sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you having not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by crying out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. 
And God will add his blessing and anointing to the reading of his word. Apply it to your heart and mind and soul as we ask him to do such. Thank you and be seated. Out in the foyer, if you've been here very long, you know that we have a new room. Next Steps, it is called. And this morning, when I finish in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask some of you to get up out of your seat, walk to where I'm standing at Next Steps. Let me introduce you to an encourager, and there you come deciding for Christ today, making your commitment and your decision in Next Steps. The reason I'm doing that is because this sermon and this text is filled with the word walking. Essential steps in walking according to the Spirit we find in this first part of Romans chapter 8. We are taking steps. Now, everyone in this room, on television, YouTube, radio, wherever you may be, and in this room, you are walking today. Everyone is walking either according to the flesh, leading to death, are walking according to the Spirit, which leads to life and peace according to this eighth chapter of Romans. Walk according to the Spirit. There are essential steps in walking according to the Spirit. I want to unpack three of those in this text this morning and then walk there and ask you to come and walk with me and decide for Christ and his lordship and for the spirit-filled life this very day. First of all, I submit to you there's simply what I call the first step. The first step, that of being born of the Spirit. When you're saved, when you know the Lord as your Savior, look at it in verses 1, 2, and 3. And by the way, let me say to these high schoolers, good to see you decked in blue today. I know you're tired. You've been going hard. But thanks for being here. You've heard the gospel all weekend. We're proud of you. We love you. Uh, I have people say all the time, that's, well, there they are. Uh, that's the... Next church, no, 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 that's not the next church. That's the now church, right now. You, you're just as much part as anybody in this place, and we're grateful to God for every one of you. And so pray for Chris that he doesn't die this afternoon, all right? He's been leading all weekend. He doesn't have any voice left, so you, you pray for him. The first step, the first step. These young people have heard about that first step uh, this week. Some of them ready to take that first step. Look in Romans chapter 1. Therefore, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh. What's those words? God did. What the law couldn't do, say those two words. What the law couldn't do. God did. Look what he did. He goes on to say, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Dear friend, if you have not the Spirit of God, in verse number 9, you are not 
the sons of God. Those without the Spirit are not the children of God. You are none of His. You must come to a place somewhere that the Spirit of the living God has confronted you of your sin, your lostness, you're condemned without Him, and He says, whosoever will, let him come unto me, and He stands to offer a few free pardon and salvation, and your first spiritual step is the step of faith. To say, Lord, save. Lord, save. And I'm going to ask some of you to come right out there this morning. And say, Pastor, I'm ready. As people did in the early service. Come and take him by the hand. Say, Pastor, today, taking my first step. I'm ready. God has drawn me. Do you know what happens when, when you come to Christ? What God did for you in sending Christ. When you are saved. First of all, your sins, all of your sins, from A to Z, all of your sin is forgiven. Secondly, all of your sin is forgotten. Now, your wife won't forget, but your God forgets. All right? She may keep a record, but God said, I cast as far as the east is from the west. He said, I put it behind my back where he cannot see it. God not only does he forgive you? He forgets. There's no condemnation. Read it in verse 1. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven. Your sin is forgotten. Thirdly, you are placed in God's family. When you take that first step, God adopts you into his family. He becomes your Abba Father. Oh, what a father he is. As he invites you and you come and he adopts you into the family. And fourthly, I want you to understand, not only is your sin forgiven, your sin forgotten, you're placed in God's family, you are forever his. You're forever his. He does not kick you out of the family. You do not lose salvation. You are born of the Spirit of God and you are his forever and ever and ever. You folks tired this morning, aren't you? Man, I'm talking about the glory of salvation. You're looking at me like, you, you, still, you still got time change fog. I can tell. You, you got it all over your face. So kind of sit up, all right? Sit up a little straighter. If I ring the bell, say amen. If you think I even got close, say amen this morning, all right? Amen. All right, thank you. Stories told, I've read it on several occasions of a young lad who came to be saved, 9, 10, 11 years old. And as he came forward, they asked him why he came, and he said, I've come to be saved. They began to question him a little bit about his salvation, and they said, well, tell us about it. He said, well, I did my part, and God did his part. And they were, well, you know, we really so much don't have a part. God, God did it. Tell us a little bit more about that. He said, well, yeah, I did my part. God did his part. I did the sinning. He did the saving. That's what happened in my life. I did my part. Amen. Well, everybody in here has done your part. You are a sinner, and you need saving. And God sent his son, according to these first four verses. It's what God did. You didn't do it. That's what God did. I stood right here watching these two people sing a while ago. I thought I was in that mirror. The social media expert on one side and a lawyer on the other side singing up here this morning. Two malefactors. 
One believed and one did not. Guess which one? We know there was one thief that didn't believe. There was another thief that did. Which one are you? Your first step is when you come to faith in the Lord. It's not what you do. God did it. He's the one that went to Calvary. He's the one that died. God gave his only son. And when he invites you, he says, whosoever will amen. You take the first step to come. And God receives you. He forgives you. He forgets your sin. He adopts you into the family. And you are there forever and ever. World without end. Amen. First step. Come make it this morning. Come. First step. Secondly, in this text, there are then in the sanctification process of the spirit life, mental steps, mental steps. He speaks so much about the mind in this text. He speaks of the mind set on the flesh, the mind set on the spirit, the mind, the mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Flesh versus spirit. Now, that's where you are uh, when you come to faith in Christ. You either begin to think on the flesh, begin to think on the spirit. The flesh can be highly educated. I'm not against education. I've got some. The flesh can be refined. You can dress the flesh up. Know which fork to use. What clothes to wear. Where to be. How to stand. Oh, you can dress up the flesh. You can refine the flesh. You can educate the flesh. Mm -hmm. The flesh gets religious, ceremonial, outward observation of the flesh. You know, right when to stand, what to say, when to say amen, when to read the book. But let me tell you, the flesh is not the spirit. The spirit life, the mindset on the spirit is not a refinement. It is not an education. It is not a ceremony. This text says in verse 6, it is life and peace. Life and peace. Friend, if you do not have eternal life, run to Christ. If you do not have the peace of God within your heart, run to Christ. The spirit life is life and peace peace. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16 tells us, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? You can't instruct God, but we will have the mind of Christ. As you think, so are you. Be spiritually minded. Amen. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. How do you do that? Read this book. You said you might read this book every day. Read this book. You see, 90% of the things that you will need to know, you, you'll find right here in this book. I'm talking about the decisions you make in life. They're outlined here. Who to date, how to walk, where to work, what to do in your life. You'll find the principles in this book. How do you walk in the Spirit? You, you do it with Bible. You, you do it with worship. You, you do it in here, but not so much here as you do it by yourself. I, I rarely say anything about this, but let me just tell you my uh, habit 
every Sunday morning. I meet with staff, and then I meet with three to four deacons. I had four this morning, pray over me. Then I go into my office, do a few busy things, and just kind of get my mind ready to come over here. You see, when they built the church, the pastor's office was right next to Passmore Hall. That's where we had church, and so the pastor just walked straight in, right onto the platform, like his office, boom, right there, walk in. Well, after we built this building, we put the music over here, but we left the pastor way over yonder, and so I still have to walk all the way across campus. And the last thing I do, now you don't, I'm just trying to illustrate to help you. The last thing I do is I drop down on my knees and get on my stomach. I put my face in the carpet, my nose down in the carpet. I stretch my hands out and I say, Lord, I've done everything I know to do. I can't do this. It's up to you. I'm dying to myself. Lord God, to help me. I just worship the king for a few moments. Well, I come over here, I stand up, make announcements, and do this. It, you know, it's, it's hard to be the pastor in worship. You, you got to make sure. You know, John, I mean, he's, he's got his mind set on a thousand things. Every note, every person. You got to focus it. But you see, when you get along with God, you just set your mind on the things of the Spirit. You do it with the Word of God. You do it with worship. Don Wilton has become my good friend later in life. He was Billy Graham's pastor up in North Carolina for the last few years of his life. And he said when he would visit Dr. Graham, he, he noticed something in his life. He said it was kind of odd. He said, I'd notice that Billy would get up and he'd go over here to get something and, and said he'd pause. And on the way back, he'd, he'd stop and he'd pause. And he said, I noticed him. He would just stop in pause all through his house. He said, one day I asked him, I said, Billy, what, what are you doing when you... He said, well, if you'll notice, I have books and they're all open. They're all Bibles. I have open Bibles in every room in my house. And he said, when I'm walking through, I just take a little bite. And he says, I'm walking through, I just read and get another little bite. And he said, I'll walk by and I'll just take a little bite. I thought, that's incredible. Absolutely amazing. He just was setting his mind on the things of the Spirit. He said, you're just walking through the house. Why don't you just let God have a word? He said, I just take a verse and take a little bite. I thought, hallelujah. How, how in the world do you set your mind? You do it with the Bible. You do it with worship. You do it with godly fellowship. Others that meet and greet you. I had two grand encounters just this week. I was preaching in Montgomery, Alabama on Monday, preached all day up there, and finished up that night from the Montgomery Association. I was driving back. I normally, when I'm driving, I have places that I stop. I Going up, I always stop at uh, exit 142. I stop there every time I go up there open and uh, go in. Whether I need anything or not, I'm going to eat some chocolate pecans. That's just of God. I'm just <laughs> going there. Okay. But on the way back, they're not open, so uh, usually I'm a loves truck stop kind of guy. But I got off, and I thought, nah, they're going over there. Sometimes those trucks late at night. Uh, so I just went over here to this other place, and I was filling up my car with gas, and I noticed this car went around twice. I thought, that's all right. In a moment, he pulled right up beside me, and he looked and rolled the window down. He said, Pastor Trailer? <laughs> I didn't know him. He said, I used to come to the church, but it's been about six years, and he began to tell me his broken-heartedness. We had a prayer meeting at the gas station. 
I just reached through the window and we prayed. Had a good time. Glory to God. How do you set your mind mentally on the spirit? We just pray together right there. On Friday, I was in Atmore preaching most of the day to prison chaplains. They asked me to come speak to the prison chaplains. They wanted a refresher course on preaching the gospel. And so I did that. On the way up, there's a house there that a friend of mine's grandmother used to live in. She said, you're going right by Granny's house? And I said, well, that's good. I'll stop and take a picture of it and send it to her. So I pulled in, and I made a picture and got on her. I'm sending a text, and just as I did, I looked up, and there's a car parked right next to me in the driveway. And I thought, oh, Lord, I'm in trouble now. They think I'm here to steal or do whatever. And young man, couldn't have been 30. He rolled the window down. He said, Pastor Trailer? I said, no, he, he was here, but he left. And I said, yes, young man, how can I help you? And he said, well, I've been watching this house. He said, I think it's been for sale, and I've been wanting to buy it for a place to do ministry in. I said, I don't know anything, and I told him the story of my grandmother. And they had just sold the house, I found out later on, and he began to share with me his heart. And We had great gospel fellowship in the Holy Ghost right there in the dirt driveway. Amen. See, it's, it's people. You, you set your mind on the things of the flesh, death. But when you get your mind on the things of the Spirit, it's life. And peace. I got a glove here in my pocket. If I just lay that glove out there and scratch my nose, wave to these people, pick up my Bible. But if I slide my hand there, I say, glove, scratch my nose. Wave to these people. That's enough. Pick up my Bible. Is it, well, Pastor, it's not the glove, it's you. You got it. It's not you. It's Christ in you. That's the power and the hope of glory. See, you, you can't do anything. But when you set your mind on the Spirit, He fills you and He wears you like a glove. And you live your life not according to your strength, but according to His power. And He says, scratch, you scratch. When He says, wave, you wave. He says, pick it up, you pick it up. And He says, shut it up, you shut it up. Let God wear you like a glove. But that's a mental step. You, you must come to think on the things. Set your mind. Where have you got your mind set today? If you got your mind set on an NFL game starting at 12 o'clock, you're going to miss God. If you got your mind set on a college game that was played yesterday, you're going to miss God. And I know some of you are already looking at your phone because you got your mind set on something else. You're going to miss God today. Not an amen in the house. What? <laughs> you got it? Amen. 
There's a first step. Take it. There are mental steps. But now, thirdly, thirdly, don't, don't miss it. There's what I call obedient steps. Verse 14 in our text says, All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As you are led and you obey God. Now the Spirit primarily leads us by illumination and clarification of the Scriptures. You take the Bible, inspired of God, and now as you read it, He illuminates the Word of God and He clarifies the Word of God, and that's how He leads us in about 90 to 95% of our life. But there is a sliver where there is nothing that you will find that will tell you exactly what to do, like should I date him or him? Should I marry her or her? Should I take this job or that job? Should I join this church or that church? There are principles about all those things, but some of those are not, will not be said. And the Spirit of God has to speak into your heart, and He will tell you, as you have not received this spirit of slavery in verse 15, it leads you to fear. You won't fear. But you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba. That's the Greek word we'd say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. He's your daddy. He's your father. He's adopted us, and your father never leads you wrong. And when he speaks with clarification and illumination of Scripture, obey. Because those that are led by the Spirit of God, those are the children of God, those that walk with God, those that obey God. Hmm. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tells us, do you not know this? Have you not got it through your head? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? And that you're, don't you know you're not your own? You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body with your obedience. If you're going to obey God, the first thing, first step of obedience after you get saved is to walk in these waters as these did this morning and be baptized. If you've never been baptized, you ought to walk right out here to the next steps today and say, Pastor, today's my day. I'm ready to set a time to be baptized. you got to serve. God saves you. He calls you to serve. Those that are being led by the Spirit, you'll find where you need to serve and serve. You have to forgive. You get hurt, you will get hurt. You'll be wronged and you will be wronged. The Bible says you've got to let them off the hook. Mm-hmm. That's walking in obedience. These are obedient steps of the Spirit by the sanctity. You must love. You, you, you have to love people that don't love you. Hmm. It's easy to love people that love you. It's that other crap. You love them and that's an obedient step. Then you've got to restart. Some of you have quit on God, and you need to restart. It's an obedient step. You, you, take, you say, I'm saved, but I, you need to restart. God needs to reclaim you. You need to restart. Call it repentance. I'm calling it restarting today. Turn from your sin, come back home to God. The First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, Dr. Robert Jeffers is now the pastor there and a good friend. 
he followed a couple of three guys that followed Dr. W.A. Criswell 44 years. Dr. Criswell was there. And before Dr. Criswell, for over 40 years, Dr. George W. Truitt was the pastor of that First Baptist Church downtown Dallas on San Jacinto Street. Truitt had not been there very long. It was not a huge bustling church as it is now but it was still large for the small Dallas populace at that time Dr. Truett was a real cowboy he liked to hunt early in his ministry he went on a hunt and the sheriff of the county in Dallas went with him and they were out on the hunt and the animal jumped and Truett turned the fire. And when he did, he shot the sheriff. Don't laugh, he died. Dr. Truett's life was crushed. He went into a dark hole. And as he writes about it, he says, I, I thought I would just never preach again. It was an accident. He didn't mean to do it. But he shot and killed the man. His friend, who was a law officer himself. And for days and days, he was just sitting dark and depressed and defeated. And he writes and says that just all alone, he heard the voice of God. And the voice of God said, Rise and preach again. Rise, preach again. And Truett said, oh, I can't. I don't think I can. Rise and preach again. And Truett walked back to the pulpit for a restart after a tragedy in his life. For some of you, it's been divorce, and God says, rise, live again. For some of you, it's been the death of a spouse, and God says, rise, live again. For some of you, you've been crushed and hurt by church folk. And he says, rise and live again. Rise, live again. 